0: Well, today is a special Sunday for multiple reasons. As has already been noted, today is the first day we're welcoming our Farmington Hills group in from Grace Chapel. Can't wait to see how God uses our two churches becoming one. Today's also Communion Sunday. We'll do that at the very end of our service, and I can't think of a more fitting symbol of the unity that we enjoy in Jesus Christ. And today is the first Sunday in Lent. Now, that word Lent might not mean much to you, depending on how you grew up, but Lent refers generally to that 40-day to that period preceding Easter. Uh, why 40 days? In the Bible, the number 40 always represents a season of preparation, and we are preparing again for Resurrection Sunday, and people do prepare for this. You, you hear people use phrases like, uh, I'm giving something up for Lent. You hear people say that way, that they're sacrificing in some small way to identify in some measure with the sacrifice and the suffering of Jesus. People not only give up something for Lent, sometimes people pick up something for Lent. There are folks that are reading the Bible more or meditating or praying during this season of Lent. And if you're looking for something to pick up, I want to encourage you to read through the Gospel of John. All of our Lent readings this season will come from John's Gospel. And then on Sunday mornings from today through Easter Sunday, uh, we're going to be in a sermon series all about the person of Jesus. This is the Sunday morning plan for Lent, the person of Jesus. And this is not a sermon series about what other people said about Jesus. Even in Jesus' day, people had lots of different ideas about who Jesus was. Some said he was a miracle worker, some said a teacher, uh, some thought he was more like John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the other prophets. And since Jesus' day, nearly everybody has had an opinion on Jesus Napoleon, Jefferson, Nietzsche, Gandhi, Einstein, your brother in law, everybody has an opinion. About Jesus. But in this series, we're going to focus on what Jesus said about himself. Jesus in his own words. Jesus' self understanding. We're going to be studying Jesus through his own self portraits, if you will. And I think this is going to be a really comforting time. There's a lot going on in the world right now, as you know. We are surrounded by stress and fear and confusion. And you have heard perhaps how the Ukrainian churches are standing strong uh, to offer help and hope to their Ukrainian brothers and sisters. But I read this week that many Americans are also returning to their faith to find some stability in this whirlwind of instability. As we examine what Jesus says about his own identity and mission, we're going to rediscover our own confidence our own purpose, our own hope. At a bare minimum, if we lean into this, we will experience one of the most meaningful Easter's we have ever known. And we're going to frame this series around the seven uh, statements that Jesus made about himself recorded in John's Gospel. These statements are sometimes referred to collectively as the I am statements. Seven times in John's Gospel, Jesus says, I am... And then he gives this unforgettable picture. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the vine. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. That's where we'll land on Easter Sunday. But today we'll start with the first of the seven statements I am the bread. Of life. And reading today's scripture uh, lesson is Jill Hemingway. Jill, would you come forward? Jill is one of our elders and a member of our session and a longtime church member and church volunteer. Uh, would you stand as Jill reads these words to us?
1: Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill." What sign, then, will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven, and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be. You may
0: be Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And for me, this is by far the most relatable of all seven I am statements. I have a personal affinity with bread uh, more than I do with vines and shepherds and gates. I just love bread. Uh, in fact, I, I probably love bread a little, a little too much. Uh, I've been uh, trying unsuccessfully to lose some weight, and I asked a guy in our church who's really got fitness and diet mastered uh, to be my accountability partner and every friday morning i text ron my weight which in spite of my prayers has remained remarkably consistent uh, over time and ron asked me what do you think the problem is that's what he said and i said i think the problem is bread i love bread i i love all kinds of is this bread i love uh uh I love all kinds of, of baked goods, I love bread and, and, and some of the uh, restaurants, my favorite restaurants come with a whole basket of bread, fresh bread to the table and I, I just can't control myself. And, and Ron said, uh, I don't want you to eliminate all bread because you love bread, but when they bring the basket of bread to the table, he said, just eat one. I said, one basket? <laughs> he said, no, one, one piece of bread and I was like, you ask too much of me. Ron, I I love bread. Now, um, so I crave bread. So when Jesus said, I am bread, this really works for me. It might not work as well for some of you. Some of you have gluten allergies and bread could harm you. Uh, Some of you are on low-carb or no-carb diets, and you avoid bread. And Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I don't know what this does to your understanding of Jesus. I understand that this may not work as well for all of us. I also confess there have been some seasons where I have wanted to avoid Jesus, the bread of life. And I had a season where I was not certain that Jesus, the bread of life, was good for me or that He had my best interest at heart I am a bundle of inconsistencies and so were the people to whom Jesus spoke these words for the first time. People come to Jesus with mixed motives, right? The story that we read today comes right in the heels of the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, that miracle. And the next day, some people returned to that same site where Jesus performed that miracle, and Jesus wasn't there. And so they went looking for him, and they found him on the opposite side of the lake, and Jesus knows their heart. And Jesus asked them, were you looking for me because of who I am? Or were you looking for me because you just wanted more bread? Because that bread was pretty good yesterday. And we come to Jesus with mixed motives too. We often come to Jesus because we want something. We believe Jesus can give us what we want, and he can. But Jesus is saying something much deeper here. He did not say, I am the baker of bread. He didn't say, I'm the giver of bread, I'm the provider of bread. He said, I am the bread. It's it's not just about what I do, Jesus seems to say, not just what I do or what I can do for you or what I can give, it's about who I am. And so today we're going to look at what Jesus is teaching us about himself here, what does he want us to know about himself when he says he's the bread of life. And we'll look today at three things, we could talk about more, but three things today and the first point is this. In calling himself the bread of life, Jesus is teaching us that we need him. We need him. Jesus was not talking to overfed suburbanites wanting a South Beach diet. He was talking to poverty-stricken people who just wanted to survive. And in the ancient world, bread meant survival. How long do you think a person can go without food and survive? Lean to the person next to you and venture a guess. How many days can the average human being go without any food at all? Log your your guess with somebody sitting nearby you. It's longer than you might think. We know that Jesus went 40 days fasting. Other people have fasted for 40 days as well. Uh, now, when we talk about the 40 days of Lent, uh, we're usually talking about a partial fast, right? People, people find a certain food to skip or a certain meal to skip or a day not to eat. I do not recommend a full fast for 40 days, but the sources I checked all concurred that an average healthy human being, uh, provided they've got water, can last for 60 days, 60 days, some more, some less. Now, here's where some of us have an advantage. In the medical community, another name for this excess in my midsection is stored energy. (laughs) This is by far my favorite way of referring to fat. This is stored energy. And so the truth is, uh, if if the supply of food was cut off entirely, I and my pudgy friends would last longer than some of you who fail to prepare. Right, I think of this as my emergency fund <laughs> right here. But sooner or later, eventually, over time, no matter how much stored energy you have, you will not survive without food. Death comes to everyone who does not eat. Jesus is making here a very important point. Jesus is the difference between life and death. It's interesting that death came into the world through eating, Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit and sin entered the world. Death entered the world through eating. And now Jesus says life will enter the world through eating. He said, I am the bread which brings life. Now look at the words of Jesus again here. He said, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. That was temporary. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Jesus said, whoever eats this bread will live forever. And whoever does not eat this bread will not live. There is an urgency here that gets lost in our day. There is no life apart from Jesus. The image of bread is nearly universal I read an article this week entitled, Bread, the Food that Unites the Majority of the World's Civilizations. And the author writes this. He says, there's one food that definitely unites most of the civilizations of the world, bread. Bread. Prepared in a thousand different forms for thousands of years in very different and distant parts of the world, it is a staple of the human diet across many cultures. The carbohydrates, which are rich, provide energy and nourishment just to face the day and also provide protein, salts, and uh, vitamins essential for proper functioning of the body. For most of civilizations, bread means life and bread unites history and the world you know what does not unite history and the world? Kale. (laughs) Kale, this bitter, leafy vegetable that has really gained popularity among young health-conscious Americans but has limited appeal globally. If you drink uh, two glasses of kale juice daily, it will destroy your belly fat, but it will also destroy your desire to live. I like to cook my kale with coconut oil. Uh, That way it's easier to slide right into the trash uh, when I'm done. (laughs) Now, some of you like kale. That's okay. But I just wanted to point out that Jesus did not say, I am the kale of life. He said, I am the bread of life. Jesus is the great unifier of all civilizations throughout all time. He is essential to life. In calling himself the bread of life... Jesus is not only teaching us that we need him, but secondly, in calling himself the bread of life, Jesus is teaching us that we can have him. He's accessible. Anybody been unable to get something they wanted recently because of supply chain issues or labor shortages? Anybody have that frustration? In the part of the world in which you and I live, uh, normally the things we want and need historically have been very available, and so we are extra frustrated to not be able to get what we want. And Jesus says not only is he needed, he is available. He's accessible. He's within your reach. God has made it so. Uh, Again, look at the words of Jesus again uh, in in, uh, John 6. Jesus said to them, "...very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world." And so this story looks back on a great moment in Israel's history. 1,500 years prior, God had set his people free from slavery in Egypt. And that story is found in the Old Testament book of Exodus. That word Exodus means exit. They exited from slavery. They exited from Egypt. But as you know, they wandered in the wilderness for how long? 40 years. There's that number 40 again. God was preparing them for something. The people were hungry, and God sent down from heaven this bread-like substance, which they called manna. That word manna literally means, what is it? They had never seen this before. What is it? It it, it arrives every day like dew on the ground, and all they had to do was reach down and scoop it up. They had to do nothing, and Jesus says that's a foreshadowing of something else God is doing. He, He says to them, Moses didn't give you manna. God did. God sent down manna, and God is doing it again. God from heaven is sending down the bread of life, and all you have to do is pick it up. It's right there in your reach. And this is really good news. Other religions are all about reaching up to God in ways that you feel like you never quite measure up and you can't attain. But the center of the gospel is a God who comes down, who descends to humanity, who comes to people. Jesus said the bread of life is right within your reach. Jesus is right in front of you. He says pick up the bread, eat it, Feed on it. Experience life. In calling himself the bread of life, Jesus is teaching us that we need him. He's the difference between life and death. That we can have him. He's fully available having come down from heaven. And thirdly, in calling himself the bread of life, Jesus is teaching us that he is good. He satisfies. Look again at his words. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We've already established that Jesus is needed for life, and it's not just for the kind of life that happens after you die. When Jesus talked about uh, the abundant life, he meant now and forever. We need Jesus for eternal life, yes, but we need him for life right now in this world. There's a type of healing that only Jesus can bring. There's a type of soul satisfaction that only Jesus can bring. I love how the psalmist uh, puts it, taste and see that the Lord is good. I use this line all the time. You wonder if God is good, taste and see. You wonder if God is good, try Him on. Check it out. The Lord is good. In calling himself the bread of life, Jesus is teaching us that he is good and that he is God. If you were saying I am in the Greek language, which the New Testament is written in, you likely would use the Greek word ego. Ego means I am. And you can see in that word, the English word ego for self or self-importance. That's probably how you'd more likely say it. Uh, but Greek has another option. You could also say, a me. They both mean I am. Uh, which verb in the Greek language do you think Jesus used when he said, I am the bread of life? Did he use ego or a me? He used both. This is a very unusual structure. Jesus did not say, "Ego, the bread of life." He did not say, "A me, the bread of life." He said, "Ego, A me, the bread of life." Uh, it would sound like maybe he was stuttering or lost his place in his notes. If we translate it directly, he would say, "I am, I am the bread of life." What's, what's going on here? It's a very unusual structure. It only appears a few other places, and one place is in the Old Testament book of Exodus chapter three, where the name of God is given. You might remember this story. Moses asked God for God's name. What is your name, God? If people ask me, who sent me? Who should I say sent me? And God says, this is a very important line, God says, I am who I am. When the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, I am who I am, is translated ego eimi. Ego eimi in Greek in Hebrew, Yahweh, in English, I am. Jesus is making a veiled or not so veiled reference back to the name of God in the Old Testament, and his Jewish leader uh, hearers would have recognized that, that Jesus, when he said, I am the bread of life, ego, a me, the bread of life, that he was, in fact, claiming, asserting that he was God. He was this good God. And one of the reasons we know this is once he said this, a lot of his audience left. Right in the middle of the sermon, they left. It's happened to me a few times. (laughs) They just left. And this is the part, you may remember, Jesus turns to his 12 disciples and says, are you guys going to leave too? And that's where Peter said, where would we go? For you have the words of eternal life. Not everyone was ready to hear the message of Jesus. Not all of you may be ready to hear the message of Jesus, but some of you crave this new kind of bread. Jesus is the bread of life. We need him, we can have him, and he is good. Couple brief applications. If you would not describe yourself as a Christian today, how long can you survive without food? Even capable people have their limits? And why would you go hungry when he invites us to eat? He says to feed on him. And what that basically means is to trust him, rely on him, follow him, allow his mercy and his power to feed you. And there's nothing going on in the world right now, nothing going on in your family right now, nothing going on in this church right now that could prevent you from doing that if you wanted to do it today. For those of us who describe ourselves as Christians, I want to encourage you to just savor him. Savor the bread of life. It didn't take the Israelites very long to become dissatisfied with manna. They began to grumble and complain about it. They they got distracted. And we are no different. We become distracted. Jesus used the word grumble right here, talking about a whole new uh, set of people. We become dissatisfied and busy, and we forget to stop and gaze on the beauty of Jesus, to savor the bread of heaven that God has sent. And this Lenten season would be a great time to regain your focus, to think about Jesus, to pray, to, to rediscover him in the Gospels. Jesus described himself as the bread of life. Why? Because we need him, taste the urgency in that. Not only do we need him, but we can have him, taste the relief in that. And we can taste and see that he is good and he is God. Feel the enjoyment of that. In a moment, we're going to share in the sacrament of communion. And when Jesus said, I am the bread of life, I I don't think he had in mind to teach about the sacrament. He was going for something much bigger but when we take the sacrament, we remember this teaching of Jesus when he said, I am the bread. Whenever we serve communion in our church, we always give this little disclaimer that communion, the sacraments, are for uh, people who identify with Jesus, people who've made a commitment to Jesus. And we ask guests and visitors and, and uh, folks who may not know Christ or uh, if you're an uh, explorer uh, to, to, to simply observe but it occurred to me today there might be somebody here who's in the observe category that would like to move to the commitment category right now. And I think this could be a fabulous way to experience communion as you receive Jesus into your life and then receive Jesus in sacrament, in the bread and the cup. This is a fabulous symbol for all of us as we receive Jesus, take him in, feed on him. Be nourished by Jesus. Sit at the table with Jesus. This sacrament is open to all who have received Jesus and all who will receive him now. Will you pray with me? Jesus, bread of life and cup of salvation, despite our lack of spiritual creativity, faith, and obedience, You once again renew the invitation to eat at your table and when we are willing to accept it you eliminate the hunger and thirst of our souls you satisfy us in ways that we cannot understand but so desperately need for your faithfulness we give you thanks God in whom we believe you graciously fed your ancestors in the wilderness despite their complaining With the same graciousness you provide the bread of heaven to feed your church you have invited us into relationship with you not only in this life but in life eternal for your generosity we give you thanks holy spirit our comforter and corrector you gather us together so that we may know god's word is true you teach us how to see our sin and receive our savior for your intercession We give you thanks we recognize we come today from a variety of circumstances and different places in our spiritual lives and we pray now for those who would use this moment to begin life with you for those who would say god you are the bread of life i acknowledge there is no life apart from you i need your mercy for i have sinned i need your strength for i am weak i need your life for i am destined for death I commit myself now to you and to your purposes. We pray also for those of us who would use this moment to renew our commitment and our affections and to receive you anew. Come, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. And the whole church said together. Amen.